All right, we have been through Romans, which is probably one of the most theological books there are, up to 11 chapters of theology, and then the last four are on practical application. And so after you go through that much theology, the last couple chapters, you've got to teach people how to get along. And that's what he's doing here. What if we don't agree? What if we don't agree? Now, one of the things that always cracks me up, it gets me with people, Christians, who they're saying, we need to go back to the original church. We need to go to the book of Acts church. We need to go back when it was, it was pure. And, and that's what the church needs. And, and uh, there were no divisions and no problems. And it's like, are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? Because the minute you get people together in a room, you got problems. Unless the Holy Spirit overcomes and overpowers and puts flames of fire in your head. Other than that, you're going to have problems. And they did from day one, and all the epistles were written to try and help people conform to the Word of God and not their own opinions. And that's what we're looking at tonight. What do we do when we don't agree? When Christians don't agree, what do we do? We put each other down and say, we're right and you're wrong. That's what we do. And we cause divisions and we have all sorts of problems. And that's what Romans 14 and 15 is talking is about not having divisions. You remember that Paul dealt with this in the Corinthian church. He said there's divisions among you. Some of you follow Apollos. Some of you follow Cephas. Some of you follow Paul. Some of you follow Jesus. You know, we need to get to the Bible and find ourselves where we can agree. But there are going to be times, and Paul even said this in Corinthians, that it is necessary that there are divisions among you so that you may find what is true. And we have to work together on that. Iron sharpens iron. And if you think you've arrived and know it all, you need some iron work. And we'll sharpen each other. Amen? I find that the longer I serve the Lord and the more I am in studies and teaching, the more I need to learn. And I can learn from you and you can learn from me. We learn from each other and we challenge each other. And so this is what we're going to look at. Now, what I want to share with you is the fact that everything is not always black and white. I don't know how many of you are black and white people. It's either this or it's not. But there are issues in the Bible that we call peripheral. Do you know what peripheral means? I gave you a little chart here. How many of you, when you went to get your license taken, uh, they had you stick your eyes in a machine and they would test your peripheral vision? The two red balls, you remember this? Do they do that anymore? I don't even know. I can't actually remember when the last time I had my eyes checked for a driver's license. But they used to have this thing where you'd look straight forward and they would bring these red balls and when you saw them in your sight peripherally, you'd say, oh, got it, click, right? And if they were all the way out here, you have a problem. (laughs) Some people want everything to be right here. But there are issues in the Bible that are peripheral. In other words, they're not essential to your salvation. Whether you believe the rapture is going to come before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation, I don't know. You don't know. Oh, yes, I do. I've studied. I know, but you don't know. Uh, It's one of those issues that we can study it out, but no man really knows the day and the hour when Jesus is coming, how that's going to play out exactly, but we study the Word, we have our convictions on it, but it's not essential to whether I'm saved or not. 
You understand? And these are the issues that many times cause conflict. One of the first conflicts in the book of Acts in chapter 6 was, uh, this was a deep theological issue. Here it is. Some of the widows were getting fed before the other widows. And that caused a split and a division among the believers. There were the widows who were from Jerusalem, and there were the widows who were Jewish, but they were Greek. They were outside of Jerusalem, and they were getting served last. They had preferential treatment to the Jerusalem widows. Well, that made them a little upset, and they had a split in the church. Well, that's a peripheral issue. That's not like, you know, if you're mad about that, you're going to hell. You're going to lose your salvation. That's not the issue. So there's these peripherals, and St. Augustine said this about, uh, it's a great maxim to understand. He said this uh, in the corner here, in essentials, we must have unity. So what are the essentials? The blood of Jesus, the cross, the atonement, right? Resurrection of the dead. Hebrews 6 lists the elementary uh, doctrines of resurrection and repentance and salvation. Those are essential issues that we can't fudge and we can't have disagreement on there's only one name under heaven by which men may be saved right and it's only by the blood and faith in the cross of jesus christ so these are the essentials and what augustine said is on those essentials we must have unity that's why we've had church councils throughout history that's why we've had doctrine established so we understood what the essentials of our faith are but then he says this in the non-essentials the peripheral issues, right? Should I have a Christmas tree or not? Those are not essential issues. Those are peripheral. With those issues, we need to have liberty, freedom. It's a matter of conviction and so forth, right? But in all things, we must have charity or love. And that really sums up the lesson tonight in Romans 15 14 and 15. That's what Paul's going to teach us, and I'm going to help extrapolate that for you. Now, let's understand what these contentions can be. Let me give you some examples of those things that are non-essentials, those things that are peripheral issues uh, with Christians, okay? Here's, Here's one. How about this? Politics. Okay? Settle down. All right? I'm, I'm going to say two words, and, and we can split this room. Republican, Democrat, okay? Now, what if we don't agree with each other? Well, we have liberty to disagree and to discuss it, but we don't have the right to begin to demonize each other. And we've got to be careful of language like that. Please, you've got to be aware of that. And uh, all Democrats are this. All Republicans are this. That is wrong language. I don't care how much research you've done, you can't lump a whole people group into a certain mentality or attitude. And these are brothers and sisters in the church, right? Okay, Uh, let me give you another one. Some of you are already fidgety. Cultures. Cultures, what do I mean by cultures? Well, how about ethnicity? Do you know that in America, the most segregated time in the United States where whites go to whites and blacks go to blacks and Hispanics stay in Hispanics is on Sundays from about 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock during church hour. We all split up. We can't handle being together because we like our cultures, right? Now, that has to do with race and ethnicity, and, and that's a shame that the church, 
that Jesus died for who? All people. All nations. He put it in scripture, all flesh. All people. Spirits being poured out on all people, and yet we segregate. And that is crazy. All right? And, and so there's contention there, cultures. But not only just racial cultures, but how about regions? Did, did you know that people in, in the eastern United States might worship a little different than the people in the southern United States? And then, of course, out in California, you got a whole other way that folks worship. And what's the right worship? See, these are things we fight over. And are these essentials? These are non-essentials, but we need to have charity and love in how we handle them. How about age discrimination? Right? Why those young whippersnappers, the way they worship, right? And those older people, they want it this way. I've been worshiping God for 50 years like this. I don't know about that. So we've got we've to watch these divisions. How about entertainment? I went to a Presbyterian church, and then I met a Pentecostal girl. When I went to the Pentecostal church, they, they kind of kiddingly said it, but they meant it, and that there was no smoking, dancing, and going to movies. And I thought, as Presbyterians, that was what we did. <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, after church, we had coffee hour. You go in coffee hour, and there was a haze from the ceiling down from everybody smoking and, and, and having coffee. They're good people, though. But I mean, you know, I, I thought it, that I just cracked up over that, and then I realized, no, they're serious. <laughs> and uh, uh, entertainment, what about dancing? You know, you can't dance. And, then, and, and, and that's, that's not being righteous, or, or that, that can lead to seductive things. Well, there's certain kind of dancing. You better watch how you're moving your body, Right? But then other places, dancing is, is just as normal as breathing in worship to God. And, and again, we all come from an American perspective. And what's interesting in other cultures and in other places, um, where for us, you know, the most Pentecostal we get is to raise hands and say hallelujah. Uh, in South Africa, it's a dance party. Man, the minute the music starts, you're going to be sweating and the dancing and the jumping and the moving and the hallelujah and the benches are flying and that's worship. Give their whole hearts. In China, they have to be silent. You can't do that. So in China, the worship is with all the windows covered and blacked out with newspaper and not making a sound, the worship is on your knees and weeping silently in worship to God. So should we say, or should the Chinese believers say that to you Americans, none, no one here has cried, none of you have been worshiping Jesus? Should we say that? No. No. We've got to understand our differences. What about lifestyles? Right? We have fights. Should you drink alcohol? Right? Some of you are ready to answer this right away. <laughs> Is it permitted to drink alcohol, or is it an issue of being drunk? Or there's all sorts of issues. Uh, issues of smoking, issues of money, how to handle money. What do you do with money? Uh, it goes on and on and on. Can I buy a lottery ticket? Should I not have a lottery ticket? And then uh, some of you would say uh, this or that, but at home when no one else sees it, you know, you're doing different things. Uh, holidays. Even holidays, right? Right? I mean, I, I talked to a pastor yes, uh, last Friday, 
uh, he's in our denomination, and he asked me some questions and some things, and, and he said, well, this Sunday I have to preach because he said, I have a division in my church where half of them say, you can have a Christmas tree, and the other half says, no, it's pagan. You can't have a Christmas tree, and it's causing a division in his church. So he's got to take an entire Sunday to preach on what do we do with that thing. It's like, okay. But, you know, that's what a shepherd has to do. He has to help because these people are not getting along. And that can actually divide. I've heard churches divide over the carpet that they bought. You know, people are upset about that. Then Easter, right? What do you do with kids? With Easter and Easter eggs. Well, that's fertility. That's from Eshtar. That's the fertility God. You can't have Easter eggs. That's anathema. You know, and the kid just wants to find things that are hidden. <laughs> so, you know, and you have to decide, what are we going to do with this? I'm not even going to say Halloween, so let's move on. <laughs> All Hallowed's Eve. Uh, music, music styles, right? Ha! I'll never forget one time when a guy came from another church and, and he was like really hesitant to come here because we had drums. And they, you know, they didn't have drums in the church because drums is worldly and it could make you move the way you shouldn't. So it really freaked them out when then I was playing drums that Sunday. <laughs> and I came up from behind the drum set and began to preach and it was just too much for this dude. It's like, man, I don't know. But we got a lot of different styles of music and worship wars. Again, churches split. How many of you go down the street and we've got, you look at different churches and they've got 8 o'clock contemporary worship and then at 11 o'clock standard or what is it? Traditional. There it is, traditional. But what tradition? Right? 1400s, Wesleyan? Are we going to go back to the Old English and Lutheran? Or should we go back to 1200s? And say chants, sing psalms without... Do you know what I'm saying? Because we always put things in perspective of our right now, right? But pop tunes, the Wesley brothers were playing pop tunes. They were taking bar songs that were sung in bars and putting words to them. And some of the hymns we sing that are so sacred and holy were a bar tune that somebody sang one time. So... We're funny. And then let alone get into theology. Doctrines, translations, what version do you use? Oh, that's of the devil. And this one and that one, and it's not deep enough. Or we have a, you know, and, and again, let alone issues. Do we wear veils over our head? Do we not? You go to Pakistan, the Christians there, the women wear veils, right? And so what do you do? Are you going to wear a veil or are you not going to wear a veil? And why don't we wear veils? And you've got to come to conclusions. So these, these are the issues that Paul's dealing with. Now, he's going to take us on a journey of examples that were prevalent in his time, but they apply, the principles apply to our time. And all of these contentions that we have with each other. Now, what we typically do is for those who hold hard lines because they need to for the sake of keep, keeping themselves from falling, okay, so, so there are some people who have come out of situations so that uh, th they will not watch things or view things because they don't want to fall back into a lifestyle or a mindset that would get them to sin. So they'll say none of this and none of that and draw a hard line. And so what other people who have liberty, they call them legalists. 
someone with a strong conviction, they say, oh, you're just legalistic. So, so they feel that they've won the argument by just saying that. And then the people who see the other people in the liberty of Christ, who, who all, thi- you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are expedient for us, you know, Paul says. And, and so discern what you can do. Well, they call them carnal Christians. And this is how we end up in a war. Well, you're just being carnal. Well, you're just an illegalist. Well, you know what? That, that doesn't help. And this is going on all the time. How many of you are into YouTube? You watch YouTubes, Christian YouTubes? You watch Christian debates? Okay, so I'm the only one. All right, how about radio shows? You listen to radio shows, you listen to different teachers, right? What's so popular right now is just demonizing each other, right? You know, this, this group coming against that group, and this group coming against that group. And these guys drink chocolate milk, but, we, but, but it's not pure. It should be Nestle's. And if it's not Nestle's, it's of the devil. I make that up. I made that up. All right? There's no one saying that. But it might as well be because we get really silly about that. And, and as Christians, we can't say, most of the time we can't say, oh, I see your point, and I understand what you're getting at, but I just don't get that from Scripture and the other arguments. But you're my brother. God bless you. No, no, no. we got to say, you must have a demon. You're so far off, or you're going to go to hell, I don't even think you're saved. You know, this kind of stuff. You voted for who? You've been deceived. So, we got to do better than that, folks. Because the church has got to win the world and win the lost. And we're so busy trying to win our opinion. Let's deal with, you know, what is essential here. So... Let's go into Romans chapter 14. Romans is the key here in what Paul's going to take us. So we'll take it at verse 1 of chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Let me uh, take a minute on just that verse. What he's saying is this, real simple here. As for the one who is weak in faith, they still have faith, and I'll get into the, minute, the, what, the explanation of what weak is, but to the one who's weak in faith, that's a saved person, but Paul's saying they have weak in faith. They have uh, an issue to deal with. He says what? Welcome him. Don't shun him. I'm, I'm telling you tonight, and maybe we'll get to it, but we have different ideas and convictions about certain things, even in this room. Is that going to keep you from fellowshipping from each other? And, and if it does, it, it, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. We're to be welcoming to each other and not to quarrel over what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Quarrel over what? opinions not what is essential doctrine but that which is an opinion on something as you've flushed it out in trying to understand it according to scripture there are some things that are not explained in scripture right now i love this one husbands love your wives as christ loved the church well what does that mean how am i supposed to love her Hang on a cross. I get that. I'm supposed to die. But, but what does that mean? Right? Wives, 
Submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. What does that mean? How does that flesh out? What's your opinion on that? Now, I can ask somebody else in the way I see the dynamic of that marriage, and I'm going, mm, I don't think so. Right? So you see what I'm saying? Opinions? We have to work this out together. We have to not quarrel or fight over these opinions. And let me tell you this. I've learned this from the Chinese church who is under great persecution. They don't fight over opinions. You know why? It's not expedient for them. They're all they have. They're worried about if someone finds out they're a believer. If someone's going to break into the meeting. They're not sitting on the corner arguing over pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. They're hiding in a room just worshiping Jesus and, and getting people saved and moving in the essentials. Where there's persecution, there's less quarreling because we need each other. But what happens, and, and uh, the last uh, uh, testimony I got from China is when uh, a couple years ago when the persecution was lifting, guess what began to happen in the churches? More fights. More divisions. Because they had liberty and freedom. And what happens when we have liberty and freedom of the will to do what we want? We get in fights with each other. And we come against each other. So it's interesting. Let's, let's get this right. Okay, so he says this. As for one who's weak in the faith, welcome him and don't quarrel over opinions. I wonder how many people have left the, the church and left Christianity because we've... we've yelled at them for their opinion so they have to find a church a lot of times going church to church isn't necessarily finding the the right pews and everything it's finding out whether we're going to get in a fight with someone or not whether their peripheral non-essential doctrines you know i'm sorry you 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 cut your hair ladies please come in and let's have a discussion on that Okay, well, I don't think I'm coming to this church. I mean, we used to fight over that stuff, right? Length of hair and makeup and all this kind of stuff. They did in the early church, too. So he goes on, well, what is weak? What does he mean by weak? And I've given a definition here. When personal conviction or guilt overrides Christ's word or love. Weak in the faith means you're not following scripture or the attitude of christ's love you're you're because you're so guilted you you're afraid that you'll be rejected by god you're you're doing things not out of conviction by the word but conviction of guilt or shame and there's a lot of folks who do that you know how a, a lot of folks don't read the word of god they they live their christian life based on the church they grew up in how many of you know that right so if you grew up in a very strict church those are the things my wife and i had a discussion on this she grew up in a very strict early on the church she grew up in was a real uh uh kind of condemning church that if you don't get it right god's going to spit you out of his mouth god is just angry at every sin you've ever committed and this and that right so she has that in her many times in the sense that i don't think i've pleased god i think he's mad at me and it's like, really? You know, and the only thing that you have to come back to the word. And so there are certain areas in our lives that we have a weakness in because of some of the doctrine we've heard. Does that make sense to you? And so we have to be gentle with each other and caring for each other. Now, um, we don't serve alcohol for communion, 
we made the decision to, to serve grape juice, right? Okay. And uh, there are some churches that serve wine for communion. We decided not to because there are many people who have come out of alcoholism. And the last thing they need to do while they're worshiping God is to drink wine and get that, <clears throat> that back in them again, right? And, and someone would say, well, they just need to be delivered. It's an alcohol demon, and we're just going to have the wine, and they need to get over it. It's like, well, that's a, weak, that's a weaker brother. That, that's an affliction that they have here. You, you know, you, you need to respect that and build them up. Does this make sense to everybody? All right, so that's what we're talking about in a weakness. We all have weaknesses or certain issues, right? Okay, some guys, some guys uh, have real pornography issues. So ladies, I'm, I'm telling you, please dress appropriately. In the summer, I always have to announce, okay? No spaghetti straps, no really tight, tight shorts, no mini skirts in church. I'm like, well, why? Because <laughs> it causes someone else a real problem. And they're not worshiping God anymore, they're looking at your legs. Right? So we got to deal with that stuff. And so there are weaknesses we each have. So when we have a weakness, let's not quarrel over them, but let's welcome each other and work with them. Now, he's going to give us an example. The first example he gives is in verse 2 about a vegan and a meter. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Vegetarians are weak people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, in context of what he's talking about is the cultures that people were coming out of. All right? You had pagans coming into the church now. Certain meats, we see it in 1 Corinthians, certain meats were offered to idols. So they don't know what meat, and they, let's say they came out of idolatry, and they got saved, gloriously saved in Jesus Christ, and they don't want to eat some piece of meat that was offered to Saturn or to Mars, right? Those are planets. Uh, or to uh, Zeus, they don't want to, you know, so I'm sticking with vegetables. <laughs> Another guy comes along and, and says, those, those, they don't even exist. Those are just made of stone and wood. Give me that sirloin. <laughs> I don't care who it was offered to. I'm offering it to God through me. <laughs> right? But that offends another brother. And so uh, listen to how he deals with this issue. He says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another see we're all servants of God is it before his own master that he stands or fails and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand this is a conviction that he has that he's walking out in his life in honoring God. Who are you to judge him for that? If he wants to abstain from meat, let him abstain from meat. You don't have to start some big issue. You don't have to agree with him, but you don't have to war with him over it. Does this make sense to you, right? And so let's learn each other's convictions. We can talk about it. We can sometimes help people understand, right? So, so uh, I'll just use the tree. I don't know. So we've got a big tree here, a Christmas tree here. Well, 
the, the pagans in Jeremiah used to worship the, the evergreen trees and this and that. Okay? Well, that was a whole different setup for what they did to the tree. This is an evergreen tree that reminds us God's love is evergreen. That's what Martin Luther developed, and it was a concept to, to bring the outdoors indoors, the creation, and to magnify God and, and enjoy his love and praise him for it. And, and I'm not worshiping a god, okay? But someone says, no, it's a pagan holiday based on the winter solstice, and, and it's forbidden, and I'm not going to do it. Okay. Cool. And, and I'll tell you what, I went through this because the church I went to where my wife was, uh, they were really against Christmas trees. And so, man, I was, I, I got baptizing the spirit at that church i got i got deep into studies and all that so i took everything that they said into my life and i had a real problem now my wife went to the same church and she said yeah we we still have a tree we don't bother we don't but me i was like what no and i did all my christmas tree studies and all my you know uh, pagan holiday ritual stuff i was like we can't have a tree in our house god will hate us for it you know, I, was, I bought the whole thing. And so I really had a hard contention. But for me, one, one night, I, I realized I had no joy in that season. It, it had taken all the joy out of it that I knew as a child and I knew as holy and pure. And remember growing up in a beautiful Christian home that we loved God and we celebrated things and, and traditions uh, were attached to, the, to Christian principles that were deep in me. And I found myself so miserable. I realized, that's a moot point. That, I'm not worshiping a tree, but it reminds me of the joy of God, and it reminds me of growing up, and it reminds me of Jesus. So we got a tree, and I, I was happy again. <laughs> and I realized there are some convictions you have. It wasn't even my conviction, but I bought into it because someone who I trusted and, and still believed, and I didn't have to trust them less, that was their conviction. So we all have to develop our convictions, and, and that's what Paul's saying. Look at, to the guy that's a vegetarian that won't eat meat, don't judge him. And to the guy that's gonna eat meat, don't you come down on him. He's, he's serving his master as he feels led to. Okay? All right. Now, Let's go on. He gives us another example in, in verse 5. He says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. What's he talking about there? Sabbath, right? Remember, early church, you have Judaism. All Christians were Jewish at one time till they began to recognize the gospel was to all nations, all people groups. Now they're coming into the assembly and you've got Jews sitting next to Gentiles who used to be pagans, right? And you're used to keeping Sabbath. And they're coming in playing football on Sabbath with a pigskin. <laughs> okay, I made that up, but it did develop. <laughs> Right? Think about it. You can't play with the pigskin if you're Jewish. Okay, anyways. Uh, so what about the Sabbath? 
Now you've got a division built right in between Judaism and Christianity, but now we're all saved because of the blood of Jesus, so we're all sinners now saved by grace, but what do we do with the Old Testament? What do we do with Sabbath? And esteeming that day, and Paul goes on and he says this, while another esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it to honor the Lord. You see, the motivation is for the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are of the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be the Lord both of the dead and the living. The point being, whether you're going to keep the Sabbath, let's not get in a war in it. They're keeping the Sabbath because they want to honor Jesus. I'm going to say that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. In fact, he is my rest. So my Sabbath is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He's in every day. My rest is in him every day. I esteem all days unto Christ Jesus. Amen? And, and so the Sabbath keeper doesn't need to judge me for that point of view because I'm giving honor to God in all of it. So whether you're eating meat or whether you're just a vegetarian, whether you're keeping Sabbath or whether you're not, why are we divided over this? Because all of us love Jesus. Whether you wear a veil on your head or whether you don't wear a veil on your head, whether you speak in tongues or whether you don't speak in tongues, do we need to demonize each other and separate from each other? Whether you were sprinkled in baptism or dunked. Ooh. How about we are all saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, walking out our faith, growing in each other, learning side by side. We've got to come together. All right, even saying that, some of you are going, mm, one world religion, eh? What are you? And, <laughs> Ecumenicalism. We're going to have to serve Jesus together. Remember, we're all going to the same place. Right? Everybody thinks we're going to be divided up there too. This is the Pentecostal wing. No. All right. So, what's... Where, where does he go? Basically, let me summarize this. There are three keys to the unity of the body of Christ in these non-essential uh, peripheral issues. Okay? So let's take a real quick look at them. Key number one. He said, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. What does that mean? You need to do the studying. You need to do the work to know what your conviction is. And it's your conviction, and you don't need to put it on everybody else. But you must study. I gave you that example of growing up in a church where they, they told me having the Christmas tree was, was demonic and wrong, and I bought into it until I began my own studies and I began to do it. Now, there are theological issues I had the same way. Now, I was brought up in a church and, and most everybody was through 70s and 80s. The pre-tribulation rapture was the thing. Everybody taught that. And I, I accepted it. I knew it. I understand the studies. I understand the, the scriptures of it. Grew up in it, studied it, and, and taught it for years and years. Till 
I began to read the book of Revelation and I read it over again and I went deeper and I went over and a new conviction came over me that I'm a post-tribulation person. I think the rapture is going to come after the tribulation. Okay? And that's my full conviction and I study that out. Now, I'm the pastor of this church. I preach that, but I don't have a problem and many of you are pre-tribulation people. You don't buy what I'm teaching. That's okay. That doesn't offend me because that's a conviction. It's a peripheral issue. I teach this and you're, you study out what you study out and stand on what you want to stand. Okay? So if, if it's a pre-trib rapture, I'll see you. I'm going with you. I'm cool it's great when rapture comes you just gotta be saved and you're going right all right but if it's a post and it didn't happen i'm geared up i'm ready to go through and uh do the work so either way but you understand my point you must be fully convinced in your own mind what you should do so some of you are writing theologically and in other issues. You're writing what someone else taught you instead of you having your own conviction on it. It's time for us to grow up, be mature, and do the work. Study. Why do you do the things you do? Because you are responsible for what you know. And that's the second point. Each one of you is accountable to God. Study to show yourself approved. Present yourself to God. Right? So... So we're each accountable for what we believe. And, and so you're teaching your children certain things. Are you teaching them based on what you've studied out of Scripture and is it your own conviction? Or is it something you picked up from somebody else and you actually don't even know? And we judge others based on that. You know, crowd mentality? You get with a crowd mentality and everybody goes, yeah, he's wrong, he's really wrong, that's wrong, they're very bad. Ooh, yeah, they're bad. Oh, why? Well, they believe this. Really? All of them? Yeah, they do. Ooh, I'll stay away from all of them. Right? We, we, we become prejudiced people, putting people in lump sums because it's too dangerous to find out really what they believe and hear what they have to say. We don't like that because it causes a little consternation because sometimes we might be wrong. One of the biggest reasons I got into deeper studies is because Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses came to my door one day and they just outdoctrinated me, man. They just... And I went, I don't know. And I went in the house crying. Am I, am I wrong? And are they right? Blew me away. Because all my convictions and doctrine were based on the church that taught me when I was growing up. I didn't study any of it. That experience made me go to the Word and look for the deity of Jesus Christ. Is He the Son of God? Is He divine? I began to study. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they're wrong. I can see this. I've got that Scripture. And I fully developed it so that I am accountable now for the knowledge I know. And last of all, he says this. The freedom we have needs to be surrendered to love. In other words, we're not to cause another person to stumble. And that's where we start here in verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. 
Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So I'm not going to invite someone over to my house. I eat meat. I happen to know that I bought meat because it's cheaper because it, it was sacrificed to an idol. Instead of being kosher, I bought the cheap meat because I got company tonight. <laughs> so I bought it. And I'm cooking it, but I know my company coming over, they don't want meat sacrificed to idol, but I'm not going to tell them until halfway through the meal, after they've eaten. And then they're eating, because I want to prove my point, that there's nothing wrong with it. So halfway through, all oh, this meat's good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Guess where I got it? Ha ha ha! It was offered to Zeus! <laughs> Why would we do that to somebody? Why would we do that? I had an experience with uh, <laughs> Pastor Nazir. <laughs> this is just stupidity on my part. <laughs> uh, I, Pastor Nazir was here, and I thought I'd take him out to eat, and I thought, well, I'm going to get him an American meal. So I took Pastor Nazir. He's from Pakistan, right? Okay. So uh, I, I thought, hey, famous Dave's, American barbecue. That's American. Ordered for him, ready to eat. I'm chewing on my ribs, man. And he's looking at it, and he's... And he goes, is this pork? Oh, I felt like an idiot. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's pork. Don't eat it. I'll eat it. (laughs) And I ordered him barbecue chicken. But... I could have had a theological discussion with him to say, look at Pastor Nazir. You're a Christian. What's this issue about pork? All animals have been made clean. I could take him to Acts chapter, you know, uh, wherever Peter is on the porch and, and, and deal with that. And, and this is all clean and you can eat the pork. Just eat the pork. I'm paying for it. And it's okay and all that. I'm not going to make him stumble. Right? And... Uh, we do that sometimes to prove a point or to make a point right, and, and that offends each other, right? Uh, there are some people who believe that you shouldn't drink alcohol. For me personally, I don't drink alcohol, and uh, I have my convictions as to why. And, uh, but the Bible talks about drunkenness, and some people have a glass of wine or a beer or all that. I'm not going to get into that dispute or fight. That's fine. I don't care. All right? So uh, folks will have a beer or have a wine at a meal. I'm fine with that. But if we get together and it's a church function, we're not having any alcohol. Pastor, I have liberty. I have freedom. I know what the Bible says. Sure, totally get it. Right. But in the company of other believers so that we don't make someone else stumble, there's no alcohol here. Right? So what happens is my love... For the brother supersedes my liberty to indulge, right? And that's what guides our thinking. Now, let's go on. Verse 14, I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean in itself. This is a Jewish rabbi talking. 
He had a total revelation of what God told Peter. So he knows there's nothing unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if, it, if your brother's grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. That's a heavy statement right there. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died so that your point or your conviction's right. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. In the same way, that, you know, they're going to tell you, oh, I can't believe you did that. You're obviously an immature Christian. You know, let's not get into that fight. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't there enough that we agree on to celebrate? Instead of divide over these issues, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. So do not, for the sake of sprinkling or dunking, split the church. Do not, for the sake of some of these issues, divide the body of Christ over them. We can have our discussions. We can have our arguments. We can have our disagreements. But it should not cause us to divide. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats, or I'm going to add this, or by what he does. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. So the, what he's saying is the convictions you have. Right? Walk in them. Keep them. Let your good life reflect others to see what your convictions are in belief. You don't have to shove it down their throat. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he's eating uh, not by faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In other words, you have to have full conviction for what you're doing and why. If you're feeling shame or guilt over an action because someone else is doing it, step out of that thing and don't do it. That'll become sin to you. Okay? So don't go along with the crowd because everybody else is doing it. If you feel it's wrong and you have the conviction on it, then back out and stay clean with you and Jesus. Now, the completion of this whole argument is here in chapter 15. He, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. You may know you have liberty in something, but there's a weaker brother, someone who doesn't feel that same liberty. So then, don't do it. For their sake. That's what he means by you being strong. You, you yield to a brother or a sister and care for them. And you may win them. You may teach them. You may help them. Show them in Scripture. You don't have to argue about it. But help them bear it out. And they may come to a point to realize, yeah, you know what? I guess I don't have to keep the Sabbath. If Jesus is my Sabbath, then every day is the same. So, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Christianity is supposed to be edifying one another. For Christ did not please himself... 
you imagine if Jesus judged us according to who we were? No, He gave His own life for us, the weak ones, so that He would give us His righteousness, right? We will not be judged by God because of the righteousness of Christ that was given to us. Christ did not please Himself as it is written. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on Me. So the reproaches that reproached Him, they were fallen on Christ. They were put on Christ for us. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen? Amen.